0: the things that we love is when a game IP makes its way into other media, be it film, TV novels, or comic books. On our Comic Book and former podcast, Vince and I have discussed various Dragon Age miniseries, even interviewed the lead writer for Dragon Age, David Gator. However, Gator has been distancing himself from Dragon Age, having said that he is now going to be working on a new IP for BioWare. Luckily, comic book writer Greg Rucka has stepped into those big shoes left behind by Gator, and he's prepped to give us a wonderful series by the sound of it called dragon age mage killer. I don't know if you were as excited about this as I was when it was announced, but like, I really have having, especially after I'd read the details of what the story is going to be.
1: I'm like really excited to read this comic book. I don't know if I'm more excited for the comic or the fact that Ruka is writing it. It's just such a, a, perfect combination it's like dan Slott writing spider-man some people were just born to write some comics and ruka was born to write bioware comics well you were saying too which we'd read like he has such a a huge
0: opinion of bioware and their games he knows them and you know when you are reading someone's accounts of something whether or not you know they're just posing or listen this person has invested hundreds of hours in Dragon Age characters and that's the 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 impression you get when you you listen to him
1: yeah he he has unending love for the games he's played through mass effect more times than either of us have <laughs> and he it's just something that really appeals to him he likes that storytelling and having a writer a Very good writer, by the way, (laughs) who has that much of an understanding, not just of the characters and of the world, but how a story set in that world should feel. That's very exciting for the quality of the content we can expect going forward.
0: What I like, too, is that, again, going back to the fact that they chose Rucka, we've seen how, like, you know, a a lot of people, you'll tell them, oh, it's going to be a comic book, and they... If they aren't invested in comic books, if they don't read a lot of different styles and not just the costume tights, they might not be able to appreciate how much depth you can have in a comic to propel the story forward. And the fact that it's visual should not take away from the impact that the story has. And Rucka has been able to demonstrate that with regular non-powered people just as well as with superpowered people, like his the the, the stuff that he did with um, I want to say Planet Hulk. It was Planet Hulk. He wrote. No, now who were Planet Hulk? Who Planet Hulk was? Uh, Greg Pak. No, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, obviously still good. Uh, I'm thinking about the um, he did the, uh, Punisher yeah, for Marvel.
1: He did um, the, yeah, Gotham Central. That's
0: the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Gotham Gotham Central, where you're getting that, um, again, non-powered people, but with a spectacular story that is just as gripping. We talked about that series on the Comic Book Informed podcast a while back. I'd suggest you go and listen to it if you're curious about what Raka can do. Now, about the actual series that he's working on, it's going to be published by Dark Horse Comics. And, like, again, he is... I, did they even announce how long... Is this going to be an ongoing they, thing? They or said the, ongoing. That's what I thought, which just fills me with so much glee because like he's saying we're going to see a lot of things that have not been seen yet, and there's going to be a lot of stuff that is going to pertain to the last game, Dragon Age Inquisition, and for people who did not play it or <clears throat> finish, <laughs> um, <laughs> the first story arc... said is actually going to deal with the Inquisition so that it can bring basically everybody up to speed. And from then on, it's going to be all new stuff. And it's going to follow a couple of central characters. One of them is going to be a mage killer. And the other one is going to be um, this daughter of an influential family that is going to be running around with him, essentially, and... They, they they call her kind of his handler. If you've never played a Dragon Age game or read the books or anything like that, you're not familiar with the incredible amount of tension between the mages and, well, basically everybody else. <laughs> There's a lot of – that's something that – Sorry, you gonna say something?
1: <laughs> no, I was just laughing.
0: Uh, Rucka brings that up. There was a great quote from him on um, in the Polygon interview where he was saying that tension that really should exist in any fantasy world where magic exists, which is, and he screams out, oh, "Magic exists!" and it's grossly, grossly slants the playing field. And it's true; it's not something that you know you you see that often. They try to balance it out or whatever, when in fact. It's really not. This person can shoot fireballs out of their ass if they want to. There's not much you can do to stop that. So this here is interesting because it's going to show us something a little bit different as well. Like this mage killer was essentially a slave before and then escapes. You don't really find out initially how, but there's still, there's still going to be the tension between the factions essentially. Kind of, you know, the... the Again, mages versus everybody else or magic wheelers versus everybody else. But then there's going to be a lot of, it sounds like, you know, a lot of intrigue because it's not just a, you know, regular old dude that's going to go and blast through everything. There's going to be a lot more subtlety in how he hunts various mages and things like that. I don't know. Everything that I read really has me very curious about. Not just the stories moving forward, but also the characters already. And all we've done is read a few things about them.
1: Yeah. And it's instantly something you want to know more. about. I mean, just plain and simple fact, the fact that it starts off set in Tevinter. Yeah. Which is something we haven't experienced yet in the Dragon Age franchise. That's a a whole new world, basically. And getting to experience more of that culture firsthand through... Did, somebody who was a slave there it was just, I. there's nothing about this that I don't immediately want to grab my hands and consume immediately.
0: Yeah I'm glad he didn't go the Templar route because mm-hmm. we've seen that and for again people who don't uh, aren't familiar with the IP uh, Templars are essentially for them like you know like a paladin class kind of thing and they keep the mages in line and there's been a lot of battling between them and all kinds of stuff like that. But your your Templar class kind of comes off more as, again, that kind of tanky kind of thing that just goes in and has the, the holy power and just hits with a big hammer. That's why I really like the idea of this mage killer hunter that sounds more like an assassin for hire than a, a Templar. So it also, instead of having those those tropes that we've seen in the comics where it's the templar trying to either live within the rules of that the religion or things like that it's not going to deal with the religion it's going to be strictly this dude who's often mages and taking jobs really sounds exciting mhm so they said also we're going to see the rise of the tavinter cult that is in the inquisition as well who worship the the villain and so Again, there's a lot of stuff that is being mentioned. And again, we don't know too, too much about it yet, but what is being mentioned is showing that Ruckus prepared. Like, it sounds like he has a fairly, you know, good grasp of the universe and also his story arcs and where he's going to take them. So, you're yeah. telling me he
1: didn't basically have a fan fiction outline ready to go yeah, before really. they called him? <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> So and
0: and he's making sure to take his role playing roots into the writing as well. So um, how it's gonna affect the players and or not the players, but the the characters and things like that. So anyways, very, very cool. cannot wait to to read this and uh, I'm sure we'll be discussing it whether here or on the comic book Informer podcast.
1: I cannot wait to read it. Mm-hmm. Now, in keeping with media sorry before you move on real quick, because we talk about it a lot on comic book Informer, but we never mention it here. There are a number of really good comic book based, or I mean, video game based comics that we yeah. talk about a lot. Yeah. Right? We said the Dragon Age comic's good. A lot of the Mass Effect comics were good. Assassin's Creed. Uh, we talked about the Uncharted comic not that long ago, Tomb Raider, and the Borderlands comic is frickin' fantastic. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. like you said, a lot of people were kind of scoffing at the fact that they were turning Dragon Age into a comic, where honestly, Video game comics have a really good batting average, in my point of view. Well, not just that, but it again it it
0: it works with game IPs because again the game is a visual medium as well, where you're seeing it. So they can continue with that in the comic books. Uh, one of a novel's strength is forcing the user to use their their the reader, I should say, to use their imagination to fill in those blanks. Well. You don't need to do that with a game IP kind of thing. It's just, it's a good fit. Same as the, the Warcraft ones we talked about too, like a Mm -hmm. long time ago. Christ, those were good. Not all of them, but some of them were spectacular. Yes. So, okay. So now. Now you may move on. I had such a good freaking segue that I was rolling into and you blew it for me. Fix it in post. In keeping (laughs) their media crossovers, um, Heroes Reborn is going to be having a couple of games. Now before we get into the the actual games, how excited are you for Heroes Reborn period?
1: Negatively excited? Really? So yeah. you never watched any of the actual heroes? The original left such a bad taste in my mouth I do not care. Right. The 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 the, the first one, the, the the first season was
0: good, not all of it, mm-hmm. and it certainly had huge flaws and then it was crap from that point on yeah for sure but the first season was still good and it's still that concept still works because obviously yeah. it's done in comic books all the time and because some of the characters were so good and so memorable it's i am actually looking forward to this so and it probably will disappoint me but i'm still <laughs> excited for it that's fine the the fact that they're really tying these games in to the series is really exciting to me. Actually, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing them. One of them is going to be a mobile game, and that one's going to be called Heroes Reborn Enigma. And the other one's going to be for consoles and PCs and Mac. And it's going to be Heroes Reborn Gemini. They're both of them are going to have uh, female protagonists. One, they're both sisters. And the older one is Cassandra. She's 20, and she's going to be in the console version, whereas Delilah is going to be in the—she's 14, and she's going to be in the mobile version. The mobile version is uh, a first-person action puzzle kind of game, and you follow uh, Delilah, who's escaping from a secret government facility called the Quarry, whereas on the console one, you follow Cassandra. And it's more kind of a self-discovery-themed game kind of thing. She's got localized time travel powers and telekinesis that kind of made me think of Life is Strange, mm-hmm. wherein you're trying to come up with original ways of solving puzzles using time displacement kind of thing. So we are kind of digging that right now in Life is Strange, which leads me to believe that maybe we will with, with this as well. So, and uh, everything that's happening in, in the game's is going to be taking place before the series starts, but it will also be referenced in the series a little bit as well. And they've got the actual people who are in charge of the... like the, the series creator is working on the stories for both of these games with them. And it's being developed by Phosphor, who actually have done some really good games, including Horn, which was really, really quite good. So, I mean, I I really like how... All three things are integrating together. You don't have to play them all to get a, a good game out of any of them or whatever. But if you if you really are looking forward to enjoying all of this stuff, I, I really like the interplay between all of these things. If You say so,
1: and you really still don't care. I, I I am absolutely waiting and seeing. As a matter of fact, once the first season is over and everybody goes, "That was pretty good," I'm still not going to watch. It. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> All right, then. Okay,
0: so from those heroes to comic book heroes, uh, we got the Batgirl DLC announcement that's going to be coming out on Tuesday of next week. And that's uh, Batgirl, A Matter of Family. This looks freaking awesome. It's being developed by the Warner Brothers Games... Montreal group who worked on the Arkham Origins game. It's not being developed actually by uh, Rocksteady, and it's only coming out for consoles right now because the PC is still a clusterfuck. <laughs> so who knows when the <laughs> hell that's going to be coming out? But like, you're this is the first time you're going to be able to play as Batgirl, and then you're going to be able to do there's new locations and missions and side quests, and you get hijacking feature that you can mess around with. You can co-op with Robin. The trailer was awesome. Joker and Harley are freaking creepy as all hell, and. <laughs> And this <laughs> and this takes place before Arkham Asylum. Um, the quote from the uh, the announcement for this says that when the Joker kidnaps Commissioner Gordon and holds him hostage at the Seagate amusement park, Batgirl and Robin must fight against the odds to save him and avoid falling victim to the Joker's sinister plans. Trying by who cares about the rest, but uh, and then they, they use the thing of Joker saying, If Batman shows up, then I, I just kill Gordon, kind of thing. So that's how they force it to just be those two. Still looks freaking cool as hell. A lot of fun. I love the idea of playing as Batgirl because like one of the things that I loved about Arkham city was actually playing as Selina Kyle because it had such a different feel to it. Yeah. Like it it just felt so much lighter and it was just so cool. And I'm anticipating it's kind of going to be that play style for this.
1: I like how it, at least conceptually like a twist on the killing joke formula. Yeah. As well. But I'm actually think it's a really cool addition that they are adding in like the hacking elements because of course that's such a huge part of Barbara's character. Yeah. And that's a really brilliant addition to the game that is going to make her unique apart from any of the other cast members. Like that's something that only Barbara can do. Like, yeah, okay, Batman has a little you know, doohickey he can pretend to hack with. But no, she actually knows what she's doing. So uh, getting the gameplay elements to actually match the characters is a really smart move.
0: Yeah. And one of the things that I like is, again, going back on that, the the kill and joke thing is, well, we don't know if in fact that is what's going to happen, but I would lay down money that it probably is. And because of that, I'm curious how they're going to handle it. It's kind of like reading a remake Comic where they have this reimagining of how it's happening, so I'm curious what they're gonna do, their take on how it's gonna be undoubtedly it will be a lot less harsh, which is fine but i'm I'm hoping that it has a lot more impact than just being shot, which sounds like a horrible thing to say, but you know what I mean <laughs> Just being shot is somewhat anticlimactic in a game people, so i um I'm hoping that it's quite a bit more than that. So, I, I will be playing this soon as I can. I, I can't wait to play this. Eh, let me know. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to uh, Destiny the Taken game. We've got a crap load. The, the old hype train is really going for this. We've got a crap load of information and uh, and some good videos, too, that, uh, that I linked about it. But I'll let you take over from here.
1: Yeah, July 7th has become known as Bungie Day. It's. a a holiday they created really celebrating the community and their fans. And, yeah, it's it's not really focusing on the games or any big stuff, but they still gave us a nice little glimpse into what we can expect from the Taken King expansion for Destiny. And they talked about a lot of the content that's going to be in it. Of course, weapons and all, all that stuff. We already talked about the three new subclasses that are being added, but they were actually talking about, you know, the actual story of it, how it's focusing on Oryx, who is the father of Crota, who was the first raid boss in the game. And how he's now coming to the uh, our solar system with his army of the Taken, which is a new type of enemy that we haven't seen before either. And everything involved with that, they're saying there's of course new story missions, new side quests, uh, tell a story of the battle to defend our solar system against Oryx and his Taken army. Here's the Interesting one, new narrative driven by cinematic cutscenes, starring an engaging cast of characters. Not saying I don't believe them, but <laughs> them we'll saying. have to I'm wait need a little and see. Purf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they talked some about the the dreadnought, the new destination uh, for a lot of the overworld elements. Uh, Some, again, about the Taken, how they're completely new, new abilities, new weapons. And one of the interesting things they're doing is now that the Taken have taken over parts of Earth and the surrounding planets, they're actually redesigning some of the old strike missions, the Dust Palace, the Undying Mind, and uh, Cerberus Vey. They're the same geometry, the same levels, but it's going to be a completely different experience because now there's new enemies in there. I know I've run those... Man. ad nauseum i'm sure you have as yeah. well so it's actually quite refreshing knowing that old content is still going to be able to be played now in a new way yeah yeah definitely
0: the um did you watch the the two videos that i linked by any chance i watched most of them okay um there's one of the videos i'll, I'll link it in the in the show notes for folks one of the videos is uh with will whedon where it's a conversation with creators for for Sony, and he talks to, I don't have their names, three guys from uh, Bungie about the game. And I found it interesting, and also I liked seeing how humbled they were about understanding that their game is broken in different ways, Mm -hmm. which is the case with any ongoing game kind of thing. So hearing them, especially in light of recent stupidity um, hearing them admit that yeah listen every time that you're commenting saying something's wrong we know and we're already working on it we understand that it's broken and we're trying to fix it so it, it was nice hearing that and then a lot of the other things that we're saying too in terms of the story and how it's going to progress and and, and the question went on I, I really enjoyed that It, it again in light of the stupidity that was the recent comments from several of their crew, this went a long way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like for most of that interview, I I wasn't really that engaged with it. But one of the things they did say that I actually liked was when the game first came out, there was a lot of criticism that there was no voice chat in the matchmaking and all that. It was only if you you had your pre-made group. And they said that that was a purposeful decision. Not just because they didn't want to include voice chat, but the only way you could interact with other players was through the emote system. And the way the emotes were, that meant the only way you could interact with another player was in a positive way. There was no way to give negative feedback to other players. And that led to kind of forming the community in the direction they wanted it to. And that was an actual design decision that I think that's pretty damn cool. It is, and I kind of
0: wish they had stuck with it a little bit longer. Because you can talk now. You can turn it off, which is nice. And then you don't have to worry about it kind of thing. But you can still talk and hear idiots anyways. So, for the most part, though, I will say, for a first-person shooter that's also trying to be an MMO, the community overall is actually really quite strong and very passionate about the game, which is nice. You, of course, get all of the people who hate on it and... Don't play it and think it's idiotic and whatnot, and that's fine. But for the most part, unlike you know, unlike most WoW players that even though their sub will still bitch about the game, the people <laughs> who are actually playing Destiny enjoy the game. So that's that's great. The other video that I liked is this fantastic video that talks about the actual the, the intent of certain design choices as being the proverbial carrot on the stick kind of thing. It was very interesting. However, I found that the, the host was far too negative about it kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking he, he made a lot of good points, oh, but it was yeah. all leading to a preconceived conclusion that he wanted to make.
0: Yeah. Whereas for, for me, I understand that every game wants you to stay in as long as possible. So Mm -hmm. of course they're doing these things. So I don't see it as a a negative thing. It's again, you know what you're getting kind of thing. Even if it's, he thinks it's a shady practice of, you know, manipulating people's emotions. We know that going into games, (laughs) that's, that's (laughs) what it is. So they're not just going to, there, there has to be a reason for you to keep coming back. Not just because it's pretty. There has to be a reason. And so understanding that is what then makes the game successful. Because, again, he used the example of Titanfall. I don't know about you, but I love Titanfall, and I barely played it. Mm -hmm. Because you play it for a while, and then it's like, well, okay, well. You've played the entire game. I've done it. There's really not much point going on. So the game then, the IP is not doing nearly as good as what it could otherwise. So you have to respect someone like Bungie, who is instead doing those things to keep it alive and keep it going for those
1: who like it. So so anyway, it's... It's it's such... You'd think it's such a simple formula, but how how many developers get it right? You got Bungie, you got Blizzard. To an extent, Gearbox with Borderlands, but not quite as fulfilling.
0: Yeah, even Borderlands doesn't... uh,
1: but like I've Doesn't been like getting back into Diablo 3 lately and all the points he makes about Destiny are exactly right there in Diablo 3 yeah. as well. That yeah. it, you'd never want to stop. Yeah. And yeah. that's just – that's good design.
0: It is. It is. It's still a good video. And the points that mm-hmm. are made are still valid. They're still valid. And you, you're sitting there going, yeah, you're right. But I disagree as to what that means for the game. And the developers. So, but it's still definitely worth watching. Again, I will make sure to link it in the show notes. The other thing that I thought was interesting, and this was something that I don't, I can't remember if it was in that video. I think it was actually in that video where he talked about the comparison, again, going back to WoW with the expansion for Burning Crusades. And this, I will not only agree with, but this is something that Bungie needs to work on. That season pass was shit. We agree to that. Yeah. That was complete another off shit, and that's that. And now the pricing structure for this expansion coming up is the same as what we've seen with expansion for, like, MMOs. So we're not even going to discuss the fact that freaking Star Wars SOTOR is free. All you got to do is sub to it. But um, and, I, and I know there's going to be some people who will say, yeah, but there's a subscription pass to some of those other things, whereas Destiny doesn't. That's all well and good, but if you look at the differences in terms of what you're getting for that $40, look back to Burning Crusade, and you got two mm-hmm. new races. You got the expansion of classes, existing classes with the Shaman and the Paladins, the increased level caps. You had the new planet, Outlands, new quests, dungeons, raids, zones, creatures, cities, new PvP battlegrounds, the, uh, the brand new arenas at that time. Like, there was a ton of content for the same amount of money. And we know there's nowhere near this much content in The Taken King. So as much as I really am looking forward to playing The Taken King, and I I will definitely buy it, but I'm not buying the expanded pack just for a few fucking emotes. I could give a rat's ass about that. But it is priced too high, in my opinion. And it's not forcing them to put out more quality content at a lower price. Instead, it's going to be something like this for a higher price hoping to make the same amount of money
1: mm-hmm. it's definitely i, I want to play it i will play it but i'll wait for it to go on sale
0: yeah yeah okay let's move on you found this red ash thing which is freaking mm-hmm. cool actually go ahead
1: it's cool but i i also have some concerns but we'll, i we'll do come, but it's sounds we'll cool come on it sounds like an interesting yeah. if, so. if, it, if done well. So now, with uh, Mighty Number no. Nine basically all buttoned up and ready to be be shipped, uh, K G Inafune is moving on to his next Kickstarter game project, along with uh, Con- Comcept Studios, and it's called Red Ash. And Red Ash is interesting because it's seen as a combination. the The game is very heavily inspired by anime, so they're partnering with Studio Four Degrees Celsius to make an anime based on the world of Red Ash, which is really cool. And we've seen this attempted before. (laughs) The thing I don't quite get for this is they're saying that the game and the anime are basically existing in parallel universes, and I can't understand why you would do that. If you're designing this from the ground up, why can't they be in continuity with each other?
0: I don't know. It, okay, it, it makes it easier. Obviously, if you put them separate, then you can do whatever the hell you want right. with one without it affecting the other. You're losing out in that mesh that we like that we just talked about that synergy, but it is also a lot safer for you.
1: Yeah, and like you know, I could see if the anime came out a year after the game, oh, based on the popular game, but it it it's just kind of missing a, a hook that I feel it needs. As for the game itself, it's uh, seen as a third-person action-adventure RPG uh, where the world that they exist in is your typical post-apocalyptic robots have taken over. Humanity is on the brink of extinction type world where the technology is built around these people known as Delvers who basically go into ancient human ruins as well as you know robotic strongholds and come back with you know fun little bits of treasure that they can then use to advance humanity. And we start off with the town of Great Slope, which is under threat of a collision from the mobile citadel Calcannon. And the town comes up with a defensive strategy. Yeah, the town's going to be safe. They're going to blow the citadel out of the sky as soon as it gets within range. But she has some of these delvers who go, man, I wonder what kind of treasure's inside that thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool concept. I like that. Our city's... At- At threat to be destroyed. Ah, Don't worry, we solved the threat to the city before the game even started, and now you have this completely different story being told of these treasure hunters who are now under a very strict time limit to get in, get their stuff, and get out, while also discovering all these mysteries and whatnot that are going on in there. As a concept, I really like it. I do too. I do too. I like. We've talked
0: about this often. Again, on don't keep dropping our podcast names, but you know, like in, <laughs> we talked about it in Popcorn and Ronin. We've talked about it in, in comic book and former, how like we like the anime, we like the anime style and stuff like that too. And something like this, if they can pull it off again, they, they want to make an MM an anime that's an MMO or um, an MMO. That's an anime that you feel like you're living in that anime world. Again, if it can be done well without falling on the terrible anime tropes that can exist, then I really, really want to play this game.
1: Mm-hmm. And you can even see, like, the art style. It's very reminiscent of uh, his previous work with the Ma- Mega Man Legends franchise, which a lot of people hated because it was like, oh, they're taking Mega Man and turning it into an anime. Well, yeah, but that's what we have here because the main character... Uh, He's basically Mega Man, Beck. You know, he can swap out his left arm for guns and tools and all kinds of stuff. Uh, He also has his companion, an older uh, man named Tiger, and the engineer, Call, which is where they're saying the uh, RPG elements come from. You go, you get the treasure, you come back with loot, and Call can upgrade Beck's abilities. So it has that nice gameplay cycle going to it that, you know, really is going to help. The things that have me hesitant here are that the game Kickstarter is advertised as the prologue chapter to this story and that at their initial goal they're going to be able to accomplish about half of what they want to that's that's not a goal (laughs) you say okay here's our goal if we meet our goal we'll be able to make half of our game well no just set your goal higher and be able to make your whole game it's it's just kind of a, a troubling financial setup that they've got surrounding this, especially when also, if you want console ports, that's a stretch goal. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. There's there's a lot about the actual Kickstarter side of this that I'm not particularly crazy about. We've
0: seen that in a few other Kickstarters too, where you know it can be that Kickstarter page that decides whether or not you your game gets done, and this one actually is. I would have thought that I'd be doing better by now.
1: Well, a lot of that is a lot of the people who backed Mighty Number 9 are not happy with what they've seen out of the game. Right. So they're very hesitant about backing another Inafune project
0: this soon. That's too bad. That's too bad. Okay. And then
1: you also have the anime side of it, which the anime is a completely separate Kickstarter uh, where uh, what was their initial goal on this? Their initial goal of $150,000 will get you a five-minute mini episode (laughs) i don't know what the production costs are for animation in japan wow five minutes is and then as they reach stretch goals it's going to expand of course with additional episodes but again i'm not seeing anything here that makes me go oh i would really like to see that five minutes here have some money yeah
0: i haven't backed it i don't know if you have no. No. I it's one of those where I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, okay, if it comes out and it's well done, I will definitely buy it and I'm looking forward to buying it. But I'm not going to I'm not going to back it right mm-hmm. now.
1: I I will buy it, but I will not invest in it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a as we said before, that's a very important distinction to make. It is because
0: the more people who have that opinion can decide whether or not the game is even going to be made because if there's not enough people actually giving them money, forget it it won't get done unless it mm-hmm. find another other means all right let's move on to allison road <laughs> i'm gonna let you take this, this is, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what happened when when i
1: watched it <laughs> okay <laughs> allison road is a very interesting uh, game coming out from a group called lilith limited and lilith limited is basically just a group of fans who got together and went man That P.T. thing was really awesome. Too bad we're never going to get to see the finished game. And then decided just to make their own. So this is very much reminiscent of uh, P.T. A lot of the same kind of style uh, and feel of it with even the way the house is laid out. But very well executed, very creepy. The lighting effects and how they use a lot of that for increasing the horror in the gameplay very well done for again essentially a group of fans like i don't know if any of them have actual game making experience we don't really know any of the people who are behind this from what i could find but it's cool to see such a passion project going man because we we were all disappointed because we all played pt we all loved pt and now we all have you know this emptiness because we're not going to get to see more of it so i really appreciate that somebody is taking that ball and are running with it and doing their own thing because i really hope this does well because I, I i want to see what they can do with that concept
0: yeah we we don't really like the there's no story at this point kind of thing it's 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 just atmosphere and setting it's not really story yet that's what you're going to try to figure mm-hmm. out and it falls on the trope of oh you've got amnesia and I'll figure uh, what's going on? Uh, whatever.
1: Well, that's what PT was. Yeah. It was atmosphere and setting. Yeah.
0: So but we
1: didn't crap. know what the story was until it was over.
0: Yeah. It's freaking gorgeous, first of all. It looks good.
1: and that, That's a testament to Unreal 4. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when fans this engine can do this. <laughs> with very little, you know, extensive, high-budget programming can look this good. Yeah. Wow. And it does.
0: When... The when he's walking down the corridor at that point and you hear that demonic I can see you <laughs> I had my headphones on and I had the volume <laughs> a little bit higher because there was nothing going on and every once in a while he'd pick up something and say something about it and I couldn't hear it. And I was working at the same time as I was kind of watching under the corner of my eye and then all of a sudden working you hear the air that quotes. I can see you and I was like, Oh my god. And then my son happened to <laughs> walk by as I was watching it. And so I took the headphones off and and we were watching it. And sure enough, you're waiting for it. You know, there's going to be a jump scare and sure enough. And and it was funny because all I hear from behind me is my son going,
1: (laughs) (laughs) it was priceless.
0: And it was that moment where we both jump back and then you laugh hysterically. And it's like, This is what these type of games bring. that People don't realize that. They think, oh, it's just a schlocky horror. Yeah, but schlocky horror played with somebody else in some form of co-op, or even if it's just kind of together on the couch and and laughing, you laugh so much and have so much fun. There's so much tension. So, yeah, this looks freaking awesome.
1: Yeah, it's a bunch of guys who get horror. Yeah. And that, that was kind of the most disappointing thing about PT and silent Hills being canceled was those might've been the last guys in the game industry that know how to do horror. (laughs) (laughs)
0: all right. Let's move on to uh, no man's sky. We got yet another interview video. This one was quite long. It was 18 minutes long. And again, with one of the devs with the folks over, uh, was that IGN or Polygon? I
1: can't remember. IGN.
0: IGN. And, uh, and we didn't get a ton of information because they're still being very coy about it, which, which kind of worries me as well. Because as much as everything that we're seeing is like super cool, if we're not going to find out more in terms of if there's any kind of, whether it's a, some form of questing or something,
1: like we're still not getting tons of information. That's obviously <laughs> on the- purpose. That's the interesting thing about all the press that No Man's Sky has gotten, you know, over the past couple of years. Hello Games has said everything they intend to say yep. about this game. People still keep asking them questions they know they're not gonna get answers to.
0: Yeah so we did get more about the economy and how it's going to work and stuff like that and, and displayed again the the gravity or sorry the the gathering and the the planet's centuries and whatnot we did get to see a little bit more about like the the weapons and ships and the upgrades and how that's going to work and the fact that they have their own periodic table kind of thing so that you can craft your own things and you can you got to Consider how you're storing it in your ship. You got to make sure that you are kind of syncing up to get credit for all that as well before you die. If, in fact, you are going to die, if you plan on shooting everything on a planet, like I'm quite certain you will. Um, But
1: what uh, what would give you that idea? Really seriously? You want to go there? (laughs) I have never killed an innocent creature. Yeah, right. Warden was innocent. He was misunderstood. He was, he was not innocent. He was he responsible was... for the sterilization and future genocide of an entire species. That would have wiped out the galaxy if they wouldn't have been. Exactly. Slowed down. And so I was... made sure that his decision remained intact. Nah. And I saved the universe from the th- – we've been over this, Roger. You can't let it go. No, I can't. Bastard.
0: <laughs> remember Morden. What were we talking That's about Hashtag again? remember Morden. <laughs> <laughs> I they did the old thing again of zooming out and seeing the entire freaking universe kind of thing, and we did see the 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 middle of the universe, the center of the universe, and I I loved the joke of it would be funny if Peter Molyneux sat the center that of the was universe like howled out loud. I thought it was so funny, but um, but but I actually did read that there are like they don't take themselves too seriously. Like there's different little quotes at different points in the game kind of thing. And some of them are like completely ridiculous because again, they don't want to take themselves too seriously. And it's just funny. So yeah, we like, again, we're seeing a lot of, we're seeing a lot more of what, how the game plays and whatnot, but we still don't know, you know, the why's that you're going to continue to play it because that exploration is only going to last so long because, like he was saying, too, the planet that he was showing initially is just an average planet, you're going to see a lot of these. So, that joy of exploration, I'm just wondering how long that's going to last. If the only thing that we're relying on, in addition to that, is gathering and selling and maybe upgrading your ship and your weapons and stuff.
1: I don't know. I still think it's enough for me. You know what? It's not going to be, you know, a destiny type game where I just sink hours upon hours upon hours into it. But it's a game I know I will play for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, I it, will it play It might only be an hour a week, but I can absolutely see myself going. I could go for a little space. exploration. Yeah. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I, I don't need a point. I don't need a story as much as we love stories don't always need a story no but i'd like to be to for there to be more
0: of a purpose put Mm -hmm. it that way kind of thing and a purpose doesn't have to be necessarily stories per se it can be it can be your interaction with just various factions or whatever
1: knowing there's a mystery out there is enough right okay
0: all right let's move on to uh minecraft speaking of story mode
1: And we finally got at uh, MineCon this past weekend, our first look at Telltale Games, Minecraft story mode. And I'll be damned. They made a story (laughs) of Minecraft. (laughs) Yeah, they're talking about how the story focuses on this uh, guy named Jesse, voiced by Patton Oswalt, who goes to EnderCon. And EnderCon blows up. So Jesse and his friends must set out on a quest to learn more about the mythical Order of the Stone, the players who slayed the Ender Dragon and recruit their help to save the world who is now under threat. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> is enough for me? <laughs> yeah. like, if it was somebody other than Telltale Games, yeah. I would go, eh, I'm not so sure. But again, it's, their, their background speaks for itself after a point. I agree. I agree. And it like, it replicates the Minecraft art style without using the same graphics engine. Obviously, like, I really liked the way it looked. It looked fun. It looked like a Telltale game you can play with your kids, which is a first. You could play I, I, I like a lot of this. Tales of Borderlands with your kids. It's
0: just a little bit of mayhem, mm, body dismemberment. Just, yeah. <laughs> It'll toughen the
1: kids up for school. <laughs> <laughs> This is what it's like out in the real world, Sonny. (laughs) Get used to it.
0: Okay. Let's close out with SWOTAR because we got a lot more information from a couple of different people. And um, we got some information from the creative director, Jesse Skine, and somebody else. I'm not quite sure who, who it is. And... We got information not just in terms of story, but also what they intend to do with the flashpoints moving forward and operations and things like that. Initially, though, they they were talking again about how they want to go back to BioWare basics and really pushing the storytelling. And I'm really happy about that because Mm -hmm. SWOTOR for a lot of people is, you know, that blip on the map where it's not all about the story and it's – nearly as much as other Bioware games kind of thing. And, and that's too bad because I think that's wrong. I think that the stories are there. You just have to go looking for them more mm-hmm. due to, again, that MMO setting makes it different. But, but we can appreciate that, yeah, the storytelling, it, it still did kind of suffer and take a backseat to gameplay at points because BioWare was, again, trying to make an MMO the same way as everybody else makes an MMO. And we could tell that from everything from the freaking UI to the the classes, which were for the longest time almost carbon copies of mm-hmm. WoW classes and things like that. So they were trying too hard at that. So, so them saying over and over again now how this is going to be a lot more of that return to storytelling really has me excited. I mean, when you get in this Jesse character talking about you know, rewatching The Empire Strikes Back in order to get all of the emotional punch, the twists and the betrayals they were saying and such and all that. And try to use that kind of storytelling in Swotor. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, yeah, the more I read about this and especially the stuff with the companions. I don't know if you were as invested with your companions
1: as I was. Did I you know, do all the missions sit. and you stuff? I really think I gave half a crap about any of my companions. Yeah. It was interesting, don't get me wrong. Just as a character, I didn't care about them. That's too bad. I <laughs> I love all my companions. They were tools and nothing more. Yeah, see?
0: Again, you're a bastard. My companions liked me. Well, most of them. And uh, and I. that's one of the things that I miss the most about SWTOR when I'm not playing it. Is that I'm not trying to incrementally get a little bit more of the story for each of these different companions that are going in there. And I like what they're saying, again, going forward with the companions, how important they know the companions are and what they're going to do with them. So you're going to get a lot more kind of story elements with the companions. If you're not careful, they keep saying, again, your choices are going to matter now. Your companions are going to ditch your ass. That's awesome. That's kind of cool. And then your companions are actually going to be in these stories as well. And then the choices that you made along the way influencing how they see you will then have an impact in how the story progresses
1: with them as NPCs versus companions. And that's definitely an evolution of what you were saying about how they're making it about the story first and the MMO aspect second. because. Yeah that was one thing that was really missing from the older public was really that weight of your decisions amongst your companions that they couldn't have a companion leave because it kind of screwed you for gameplay if they did and you know you can get away with that in a single player game but in an MMO where <laughs> if your character is kind of stuck you're you're not having a good time so them bringing that weight of your decisions that permanence back into the Bioware side and going well, you might be screwed for the MMO. I'm okay with that. I I am. I I am. Like what? As soon as
0: it was funny. As soon as I read that, I'm thinking. I'm rattling in my brain through all of my alts and all of their companions and thinking. Okay, who really didn't like me? Because I'm going to have to fix that as soon as I start playing again because I don't want anybody disappearing on me. They better all stay my ship. If that means that I'm a hypocritical bastard and I say one thing to one and another to something else, one of the other companions, so be it.
1: I don't want any of them going. You get your place on the ship. You stay at your goddamn station. <laughs> like I remember when I was on my Inquisitor, I was the, uh, the tank build. So I was always using the, the healer guy. Yeah as my companion, and he hated me. <laughs> well, that's not quite fair. I hated him. <laughs> I talked down to him at every opportunity, and I didn't second-guess it at all, because I knew he was always going to be there.
0: And 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 as much as the consequences mattering um, is a good thing because of that, in a way... It's actually not as well simply because it will mean that there will be a lot of different gameplay choices that will not get made, that we won't get to see the reactions and things like that for fear of losing them. And in, in much the same way as you, I do have a couple of companions on characters that it was fun to antagonize them. Because mm-hmm. sometimes those negative things, especially as it gets worse and worse sometimes, <laughs> it's just funny and it's fun and it's and it's true to life. You're not always going to get along with everybody else, especially in cramped quarters like that where you're traveling the galaxy. So it made sense. So I'm going to miss that because I'm not likely to now piss somebody off even if they're a jackass.
1: That's why I was always better at Mass Effect than you. You have no conviction.
0: I just want everybody to be my friends. <laughs> and if you believe that, I have some property to sell you. <laughs> if you believe
1: that, clearly you've never talked to him. <laughs>
0: There's uh, There was also some talk about the flashpoints and operations going forward. And this was while not as interesting, just as freaking cool, just because they're really making some intelligent choices with the flashpoints in operations, which are essentially their dungeons and their raids, wherein they're going to be putting in solo mode. Because again, yes, uh, Sotor is an MMO, but it plays very much as a single player game for Mm -hmm. a lot of people, and it can do both. So this now, seeing how they're really really slanting towards solo play they've even said that a lot of the story quest line will have to be solo when you go into it versus what they allowed before with multiple players because it's going to be very much tailored to you and how you're playing so here now introducing the solo mode for flashpoints is going to make sure that everybody can do them which is fantastic even if you are have out leveled it you can Still do it, and it's going to just drop you to the appropriate level, but reward you with the appropriate level that you actually are as well. They're doing the same thing with the operations where they're going to bolster people so that they can do them because you can do them. They're going to have tactical flashpoints too and stuff like that in the operations, and you're going to be able to do them for much longer because of whether it's the bolstering to bring you up or dropping you down not just your your stats but also like your gear and everything and then rewarding you though with gear that is appropriate to your actual level that's going to make people really spend a lot more time in them when they just feel like doing something other than the normal stories and some of those flashpoints are justifiably really cool and have great story elements. So that's – this is very intelligent gameplay decisions from them and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it.
1: How did it take them this long to yeah. get it? <laughs> like this game has been completely off my radar for, god, what, two years? And then they come out with like, oh, it's a completely different game. And I'm like, okay. That's the game I wanted to play two years ago. That's so, that. like, I, I, I'm, I've I'm, i been really ambivalent towards Star Wars. Even as, as you've been saying, like, you've been getting back into it. You've been liking it. Oh, the expansion looks really good. It really wasn't until today that I went, okay, I'm probably going to play this again. Yeah. Yeah. You say that, though, but, I mean, Lord of the Rings
0: took a while to kind of reinvent mm-hmm. itself as, as well and to start back. And there's been some, some other MMOs who've... It's taken them a while to kind of get a feel for what they should be doing. I mean, hell, look at Wildstar right now, too. So, I mean yeah, Wildstar been... still has a little ways to go. Oh, definitely. Although,
1: hey, I'm to, still to, sub To find its, it. its little, sweet its particular spot. identity.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that once it actually goes free-to-play, and then let's give it a while so that mm-hmm. it really settles into that free-to-play mode kind of thing with the updates in the store and how they can make their money. So that's going to be cool. So, anyways, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to Swotar. Can't wait to get back in. There's going to be new mounts and vehicles and decorations and all kinds of shit. So, awesome stuff. That is going to wrap up the episode for today. You will have noticed, of course, that Joe was not with us today. He's got some family issues that he's dealing with with his father, so please send your your thoughts and your tweets to him, show your support. And you can find the show notes, of course, for this at for the lore, you can find us on Mondays normally. Well, maybe not normally. We're supposed to be on Mondays. Is it normally 7 p.m. Anymore? anymore? Yeah, who knows. 7 p.m. Eastern Time at ForTheLore.com slash live. And of course, you can find us on Twitter at ForTheLore or individually. Joe is at Lorders at Jay. Vince is at Samodian. And myself is Zen Buddhist. You can leave us your thoughts on iTunes and Stitcher. And we will see you guys next week. Oh, and next week, SDCC stuff should be awesome. We can make all the jokes about Ben Affleck that we want. Oh, and there's a lot of them. <laughs> oh, man, are there a lot of them. I was just reading. He's going to do his own standalone Batman movie. Did you notice, too, that ever since, he was always kind of brooding, but ever since the Batman announcement, <laughs> he no longer smiles. You never see a picture of him smiling anymore. He's always brooding. <laughs> like, you're taking when was the last the, time he talked
1: to his parents? <laughs> you're taking the, the role a little too seriously there, Ben. <laughs> Even Batman smiled every once in a while trying to pull off a heat Ledger it's a comic we'll probably even skip what we're reading depending on how
0: long we go okay I'm talking about Groot if we, Joe in. I, if we don't have a what we're reading I'm still talking about Groot
1: I haven't read but apparently something big went down in yesterday's issue of The Walking Dead oh yeah Jesus it would take me a while to catch up <laughs> <laughs> they're at what 40 something now one forty-four, I think.
0: They're closing in on the. Uh, I know. I stopped not long after one hundred. Same year. I didn't last that much longer than you. Oh, dude! <laughs> did, did you see the screenshots I put on Twitter yesterday? No, dude. <laughs> it was. I was saying something nice about us too. But, anyways, did you read Groot number one? No, dude. Read it before Tuesday next week because I'm bringing it up. All right. (laughs) It was freaking awesome. It was fantastic. Made me think very much. They obviously went with the same feel as Rocket stuff that's going on. And (laughs) it was great. It's like a fastball special because everybody's a Groot initially. (laughs) So there's like X-Men Groots. And there's a... A fastball special with the Groots. <laughs> I like, I love this. This issue must have been a, just a dream for him to, to illustrate.
1: Who does the art on this?
0: I can't remember who it was. Actually, I'll tell you, though. Give me one second. But, God damn, I just could not stop la- Well, hell, what did I post? Like, four pictures? I
1: got three. Uh, <laughs> it was no, four. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. I love it. Wow. (laughs) I spent
0: so much time going through every inch of that picture.
1: How is it that Groot Cyclops doesn't look any different from regular Cyclops? Uh, This (laughs) one's cooler, at least.
0: (laughs) What? Mulcairade, you replied to my thing saying, if this was an Uh, actual comic, I'd read it. That's what, what do you think this is? (laughs) This is an actual comic.
1: (laughs) And you should That's read it. It's just some artwork I do in my spare time. Yeah, really? <laughs> I love Wolverine in that picture.
0: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> What's it called? <laughs>
1: uncanny x-men obviously (laughs) oh god what's it called (laughs) give me three guesses and the first two don't count buddy (laughs) you know I'm not sure what the uh, the cross section of our listeners says about us (laughs) oh man that was except you Dan you're alright (sighs) sigh
0: I wouldn't tell the wife until after I was done. (laughs) You know, somewhere someone has a tattoo of Groot on their dick.
1: Someone? I'm sure there's more than one. (laughs) Someone.
0: Thank you for listening to For The Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.